Too many Christians today are letting the current of the world pull them away from God and take away the joy, the peace, and the power of this life that we've been given in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to talk to you today. I've never preached on it. I've mentioned it in the context of preaching other messages over and over again. But I'm going to talk to you about being an upstream Christian in a downstream world. Because most Christians that I see on Sunday morning do not look like that, that picture of victory that the Bible gives us for the Christian faith. We reflect the fact that we're in a struggle. We're in a struggle on three fronts. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And the worst area of defeat in the Christian life is not the world... Who is he that overcomes the world? First John. He that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. How many people in here have no doubt that Jesus is the Son of God? If you believe that, flesh and blood did not teach that to you. Flesh and blood didn't do it. If you're a real Christian, flesh and blood did not convince you of that fact. No matter how eloquent or educated theologically or biblically, that teacher was or that preacher was. Holy Spirit did that. He did it. He did it. He did it. That's why when Jesus came to Peter, he said, Who do men say that I am? And Peter said, Some say you're Elijah and some say you're... And he went down this list of, of, of these uh, speculative ideas about who Jesus might be. And Jesus turned to the least qualified theologically to a fisherman by the name of Peter, looked him in the eye and said, Who do you say that I am? And without skipping a beat and without speculating, he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Isn't that an incredible thing to say? (laughs) Amen. I mean, that he knew that. And Jesus told him then why he knew it. And he said, What caused you to be so convinced of that? Is, is what my church is the foundation for my church to be built on. And I'm going to tell you something about his church that he's building. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Can you say man? If it's built on that revelation and that realization. Who is he that overcomes the world? He that fights the hardest. He that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And that the victory was won at the cross. And that we don't go out to get the victory. We go out to live in victory and demonstrate a victory that's already won. If you're trying to get the victory, you ain't got the victory. Thank you for the hearty amen. All things are yours. You're Christ, and Christ is God. I'm going to say it again. If you're trying to get the victory, you don't got the victory. Bad grammar, but truth biblically. We don't argue against flesh and blood. Powers, principalities, Ephesians 6 and verse 10. We don't argue against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places, and the rulers of the darkness of this world. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you might be able. That you might be enabled. Spiritually enabled. Praise God. Supernaturally qualified and enabled to stand. 
and to withstand. And it enumerates every piece of the armor. And when it gets down to the bottom of all of the armor that, we, that God has made available to overcome the enemy and all of his forces with, it says, having done all, stand. In the actual Greek, because that would imply that God has enabled you to do it. Having done all. But in the Greek, it's having, past tense, overcome all. It don't mean that you have to defeat Him to overcome in yourself. It means you have to stand in the standing that you have in Christ. Having overcome all. Say it with me. Having overcome all. When it says having done, in the actual Greek, it connotates and reads, having overcome all. When did you overcome? When did you overcome? When, when, did you, when you trusted Christ as your Savior. Oh, see, you're struggling trying to overcome. You're finding the devil is bigger than you, badder than you, and stronger than you spiritually. Unless you've already overcome. And he that's within you is greater than he that's in the world. I want to challenge you today. People are getting worn out fighting a devil that's already defeated. Amen. And we're wrestling with him. We're fighting with him. And we're more focused on fighting the devil than demonstrating the victory that is ours in Jesus Christ, which defeats him. Which defeats him. People tormented. Tormented. People that have no joy, no peace because they see the devil here and the devil there and the devil surround them, devil above them, devil beneath them, devil in people, devil in church, devil at home, devil at the job. Amen? I mean, the devil's everywhere and he's on target, he's on time, he shows up. Amen? And we're wrestling against the devil in, in what? What strength? Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Having overcome all, stand. That means to stand firm in your standing that you have through the cross of Jesus Christ. Who is He that overcomes the world? He that fights and defeats the devil. He that gets the victory. No, your victory is His victory. Thanks. Be unto God. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, and 58. Thanks be unto God, which gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. What? His victory is our victory? He didn't overcome the devil for his sake, but for our sake? Everybody say, thanks be unto God. We need to thank more, praise more, amen, and press less toward the enemy. Some of you need to praise God today. You don't need to talk about devil no more. We've heard enough about the devil. Can you say amen? I've heard enough about him. He's not the one we're here to exalt. We're not going to glorify him in this room. We got people who won't even come to church here anymore because they wanted to focus on the devil. And we stood up and said, it ain't going to happen here. You can do it in your room at home, but you can't do it here. You can't teach it here. We won't tolerate it here.
We don't tolerate it. And we've lost people and they're good people and they're going to heaven. But when you talk to them, you're going to hear more about the devil and what he's doing against them than you hear about Christ and what he's already done for them. And because of that, they live with a sense of evil constantly. Ladies at our church used to meet and pray. I came in to work on the air conditioning system. One lady had told the other lady, I'll meet you at 4 p.m. It was now quarter of five. Quarter of five. 45 minutes late. No phone call, you know, to say what's going on. Just the lady just didn't show up. And I heard as I was going back to adjust the thermostat. This lady's supposed to be best friends with the other lady. But that was back in the day of pigs in the parlor and all these books out that focused us on the demons and devils instead of Christ and his victory. And listen, the devil's real. That, that, that realm is real. But to focus on it is going to fill you with fear, fill you with intimidation and trepidation. And you're going to try to get a victory over demon forces that, that you don't understand. You, you do not understand. Listen to me carefully today. If I talk devils and demons all day long, I'm going to get right down into that fearful realm. And I'm going to begin to blame him. I'm going to use him as a scapegoat for my lack of understanding, my lack of revelation, and my lack of faith, and my lack of, of discipline over my own flesh. He's an, he, I make him the scapegoat for my old sinful flesh. So this lady that's into all of that, more than Christ, well, Brother Venable, I guess so-and-so is not coming. She told me she would be here. I think she's got a lying spirit. Now, you don't need friends. That one minute is your buddy and the next minute calling you a devil or full of the devil. But back then, that's how the church began to be oriented. Let me tell you something about the spirit of fear. It's not a spirit from the netherworld in the context of 1 John. Fear is common to every one of us here. You can't live in a faulty body in a fallen world. Listen, if my wife was involved in an automobile accident and the highway patrol knocks on my door and I open the door and they say, are you Mr. Robert A. Venable? And I say, yes, I am. Is your wife Pamela Venable? Yes, she is. There was an accident at Trapna Road in 39, Plant City. And your wife was involved. We found her wallet at the scene. She is right now being transported by helicopter to Tampa General Hospital. I'm going to tell you something. Do not tell me to just go. No, it's going to it's going to hit me like a ton of bricks. When the, Jesus said, fear not, he's talking about managing fear. Not trying to live above it because you cannot, you wouldn't, you, you would be, either be superhuman or subhuman. You're neither superhuman nor subhuman. You're very human and so am I. And that's why David in his honesty said, what time I'm afraid, it's going to happen. 
It's going to come. What time I'm afraid. I will trust in the Lord. When fear comes, I will run to God. Sounds like it should be David's psalm, but it's in Proverbs that said the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it. And they are what? Safe. And that word safe means far above evil and far above harm. It is a place where the devil would love to hurt you, but he can't. The devil would love to destroy you, but he can't. The devil would love to tear you to pieces, but he can't. So the Bible said the devil is like a roaring lion. That means a hungry lion looking for prey who walks about seeking whom he may devour. Can you say amen? You know what that tells me immediately? He can't touch any, just anybody and everybody. There's just some people that serve Him where the door is open for His destruction, but there are some people that He cannot touch. He is forbidden to touch. Amen. That we can resist and watch Him run from us. Amen. 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 And amen. In First John... Or Timothy, rather. When Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. Say it with me, a sound mind. Power. Love. He didn't talk about he's got a spirit of fear. It was his own spirit that became fearful. Thank you for the hearty amens. You want to cast everything out of everybody? <laughs> weak flesh and we give it a, a, a spirit. We blame that on a spirit. Uncrucified flesh. Flesh that ain't on the cross. And we want to call it a spirit that needs, you need deliverance from, from lust. No, you need to crucify the flesh. You can get a spirit of lust, but real spiritual possession is a lot different than this crazy stuff we see in the religious world. A guy went down to Haiti with us and our team, and his, he had this deliverance ministry. Problem was, it was to church people. Only church people. It was the church that was so possessed by the devil. Couldn't have been uncrucified flesh, unsubmitted and unsurrendered wills, giving place to the devil. It had to be possession, and the demon had to be cast out instead of the Christian consecrated to God. Your problem with the flesh can be solved in your consecration to Christ. Amen? In fact, it would be easier to go to a service where somebody cast out Everything in me that keeps me from serving God. See, the flesh has not been dealt with yet. And by the way, all this is baloney. We got down in, we got down in Haiti. I'm going to tell you something. I'll, don't take a trip to Haiti unless you are prayed up, full of the Word of God. Don't just go to take pictures of the voodoo stuff. Because there's real demonic stuff going on in Haiti. When I preached on a Sunday morning in Haiti, 
I was doing real good. Me and Francois Fenelon. Boy, I was doing good. I couldn't wait to hear what I was going to say next. I mean, it was that anointing. It was coming that powerfully. God was moving by His Spirit. I remember the message. Three things that God said He would do in the last days. Amen. <laughs> I got into that message. In, amen. In the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit. In spite of the apostasy, in spite of the sinfulness of the world, in spite of demons and devils and all the stuff going on, I'm going to pour out my spirit in the last days. I will. I will pour out my spirit. Praise God. And he said something else. See, I'm about to preach that thing again. It was so good. Hallelujah. He said, right in the middle of all of the chaos and all of the opposition, I will build my church. I'll build it strong and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And something else is going to occur in spite of all the gainsayers and the persecution and the atheists and, and the agnostics. I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also. I got into that message. And we had several thousand people come to that Sunday morning service. And I heard the sound of drums beating. Don't ever tell me that music is neutral and all that matters is the message. Music is not neutral. Music comes from somewhere. And it will cause you to worship or it will feed your flesh and pull you toward the world. Young man got saved at our church. He went to one of these youth things at Disney World. And back then, I don't know how it is now, it's okay to go. But he said, I had to leave. I had to get in my car and leave. Because the music I was hearing is what I listened to. The beat, the rhythm, the whole presentation was what I listened to when I did drugs with my girlfriend. And it led me back into that world. See, it wasn't worship of God, it was entertainment. There's a place for entertainment. But don't you ever try to substitute entertainment for the worship of God. The worship of God. You know what we used to call the hymns of the faith? Sacred music. Why was it sacred? Because it was sanctified for God. It wasn't for our ears. It wasn't for our flesh. It wasn't for our entertainment. There's a place for Christian entertainment. But we brought the entertainment world and called it worship. Doesn't make you want to be holy. Doesn't make you want to bow to Him and serve Him and, and resist the devil and follow Him. Makes you want to clap your hands. Makes you want to tap your feet. But there's nothing holy about it. And record companies are selling a product. And Christian artists are entertaining many of them. One journalist went to interview one very popular Christian group. And it's been going on for years. It's not just the new ones. It's all the way back. And the first thing they did when he walked in the room is offer him a beer. My son, who became an alcoholic, just about killed him twice with alcohol poisoning. One time, Baker acted 
spent time in the mental ward because of the alcohol and the drugs. My son. You know where he got his first taste of alcohol? was a so-called Christian band. He didn't get it from a rock and roll band. He didn't get it from some group of people who didn't claim Christ or know, have a background in the gospel. He got it from a, a, a so-called Christian band. And nobody else in that band became an alcoholic. But it hooked him. Isn't that amazing? It hooked him. The devil used it as a hook, and it almost killed him two times. Two times I've had him in the hospital to where he could not stand up with alcohol poisoning, where he had to go through detox to get it out. Christmas just a few years ago, a friend of his came to our home on Christmas morning. We're up at Christmas morning. He said, Mr. Venable, your son... We can't get him to respond. I went to where he was. He had a room in my dad's apartment house. And I went into that little room, and there he was on the floor. He couldn't put his shirt on. He couldn't stand up. He couldn't stay awake. And we had to get him to the hospital in Lakeland for detox. So when I preach on Sunday morning about overcoming demons and devils, and listen, I have to focus on Jesus Christ. I can't get down and blame spirits on everything. Spirits do certain things. But uncrucified, unsurrendered wills and uncrucified flesh is doing the damage in the church of Jesus Christ today. Undevoted lives. I don't know what you want for your kids. My kids are all grown and my grandkids are grown and my great-grandchildren are growing up. But I want them to know there's something real in Jesus Christ. Lady that sang on our platform went to a concert, a southern gospel concert. And these people were up in years. They got through singing. She was walking past them to, to just shake their hands. And one of the guys said, can I see you a minute? And she's got a wedding ring on. He sings to churches. He sings in concerts. He calls her over, and she just idolized and loved this group. They sang such beautiful songs of the faith with such harmony and seeming devotion. And he asked her to go out with him. And the first thing she said was, I'm a married woman. And he said, no one has to know. And the next thing he said, she said, he said after that, she said, but I am a Christian woman. And somebody's going to know. Can you say amen? And so this guy that sang so beautifully. And I'm going to tell you something. Sin is crept in to the whole presentation that looks so beautiful on the outside. Can you say amen? Amen. I don't want to listen to nobody sing about my God that isn't willing to follow him and trust him. Can you say, man, and I don't want my, my, my children getting exposed to compromise that lead them into some kind of bondage because Christians won't follow Jesus Christ. Amen. I want it to be real. I want it to be relevant to them. I want them to know there's victory in Jesus Christ. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Madeline Lefebvre used to open with his rock band. He went from singing with the Lefevers. His own personal testimony. Mylon Lefevre, the youngest of them, he sang Christian songs. He heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. They sang all over America and they sing well. But he never met Christ as his Savior. I said something in the service. You may be a player, player. And you may play people. But you can't play God. That's where it stops. That's where it stops. That's where it stops. And I'm going to tell you something else about this pastor up here that you're looking at. You can't play me either. Can you say, man, if you're not willing to follow Jesus, I'm not going to try to sow into you. You know why I'm not going to sow into you? Because it's, it's, I'm casting my pearl. Jesus is precious. The gospel is powerful. Amen. If you don't appreciate it and you don't want it, you haven't had enough of sin yet. You need to go get you some more sin. You need to see what the devil can do for you. Can you say, man, maybe at some point in your life you'll humble down and say, maybe following Jesus is the best thing that I could possibly do in my life. Can you say, man? Maybe the argument will be over. Hallelujah. And you'll tell the devil to hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back no more. No more. No more. And the day you tell him that, if you're a real Christian, he's got to run. He don't have a choice. He that's in you will rise up. Amen. Oh, devil, oh, devil, don't you treat me so mean. You're the meanest old devil I'd ever seen. You get old as me, and you watch it happen. And you watch people walk away from the cross, walk away from the Christ, choose darkness over light time and time again. You have no idea where that road's going to take you yet. But I know, because I've seen it happen in my up-close family. My uncle preached for the church of God. He rose up to the highest position as an overseer for his age. There had never been a man, young as he was, that rose to that position within denominational structure of that Pentecostal-oriented church. He had problems in his life. Problems in his family, problems in his church. He took a big church that he wasn't ready to take, but everybody told him he'd be a fool not to take it. So he took it without consulting God. How could it not be God? I'll have a bigger congregation, bigger salary, a better house to live in. It's not about bigger congregation, better salary. It's about what God wants you to do and where He wants you to be. And he came under such pressure. He filled a pulpit that great preachers had filled, and he also walked into a political system. And there's some churches, it's not about pleasing God. It's not about pleasing Him. It's about pleasing them. And you better please them. That's right. They run it. They hire. They fire. There's a church in Tampa, and it's a big one, and it's a good one, and it's a nice one. And I talked to a lady that attends there. And if you go, the choir would sing like that choir. They love to worship. They love God. But there's a board there that kicks them out about every three to four years. He said, he said about the time that we start loving our pastor and receiving from him, for some reason, 
They send him packing. I thought, boy, you ought to send them packing then. Can you say, man, maybe it's, maybe it's not the preacher that's the problem. They ought to define to you what the problem is. If he didn't sin, if he didn't preach something that's unbiblical, if there's not a moral failure in his life, why are you sending him packing? Because you, you, he probably didn't hop to their tomb. My uncle rose to that place of church policy, politics. He hurt his back. Hurt it bad. He was preaching good. He used, to, he, he, he used to meet with David Wilkerson years ago and they would have lunch together. He went with David Wilkerson to meet with a man that David was witnessing to. He was a confessed warlock. He practiced male witchcraft. It's not just the women that do this. There are men that do it too. And my uncle said, he said, he said, Bobby, he said, he said, he looked over at me and he looked me up and he looked me down and he says, I can't read you. And he said, no, but I can read you. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. He said, it's because of Jesus in me that you can't read me. Amen. You look in. See, he was dedicated. He was committed. He hurt his back. There was a time when the church would gather around somebody that needed a miracle. Church would pray until a miracle occurred. There was a time when God showed up in Pentecostal churches. There was a time when God showed up. But by then, he had a good insurance program. There's nothing wrong with good insurance. You need it. You break your arm, they're going to charge you $30,000 at the emergency room. Take your house, your car, and your bulldog. Can you say, man, everything you got? But he went to the doctor, and they gave him shots for the pain. Nobody's praying for him. Not looking to God anymore. The shift has come. Saul's armor is now being taken to fight with. All that man can supply makes sense and logic to the mind. Had no value in spiritual warfare. You say, well, well, what about Goliath? There was more going on than a big man on that battlefield. Can you say, man, don't tell me that a, a thousand of Saul's archers couldn't shoot him down with arrows if it was only a big man. I'm going to tell you something about Goliath. I believe that he was demonized, and I'm not... I believe he was... That's why David said, I can't do this with sword and spear. (laughs) Come on. I can't do it with Saul's armor. The only, only thing I can defeat him with is the name of the Lord God of Israel. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. In my name, Jesus said... You'll tread on serpents. In my name, you'll cast out devils. Hallelujah. In my name. The doctor gave him something else. Gave him high potency painkiller. And we'll tell you something about prescription painkiller, if you don't know it already. It would be better to take some of the pain than to keep increasing the dosage of the painkiller. Because there's something called a spirit of addiction that's in the land today. It's found in the book of Revelation. Babylon did not repent of her sorceries 
And I see sorcery, I think of the sorcerer's stone, Mickey Mouse and the magic, and, and I think of things deeper and darker than that. But the actual Greek word for sorcerer, pharmakio, pharmakos, is the word that we get pharmacy from. And it's not that medicine is bad. It's that the drugs that they were mixing to get them in an altered state to invite the powers of darkness in was being practiced in ancient Babylon. Listen to me carefully. So they gave him those and they gave him Valium. And he was under pressure and the painkillers and the Valium helped him with the pressure. He, didn't, he lost his peace. And when you lose your peace, there's nothing left but pressure and pain. Emotionally. Not just physical pain. Emotionally. Amen. Oh, how we need God again. Amen. When the doctor makes his statement, it is final with most Christians. Their faith does not ride above the prognosis of the doctor. If he says it, it's gospel. If he says, I'm dying, i got to die. If he says, I'm crippled, I can't walk. Can you say, come on. I'm telling you, I am almost 70 years old and I've been preaching for over 40 years, four decades. And I have seen people prayed for with cancer. Every symptom of the cancer leave them. Seen them go back to the doctor and the doctor tell them it ain't gone, it's worse. And His Word, even without the symptoms anymore, His Word held more sway than God's Word. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Isaiah 53.1 When you believe the Word, God's power, the arm of the Lord... The salvation of God. The deliverance of God. Is available to you. When you believe. Can you say man. For as a man believeth in his heart. So is he. Amen. At some point in your life as a Christian, God's Word is going to have to hold a place higher than the doctor, higher than the false prophet, higher than the television preacher that's lying to you. We're praying for people with no faith to believe. No faith to believe. The devil's cackling. And he's laughing. But I believe God is, will, and has had the last laugh. Hallelujah. What an anointing there is upon the Word itself. Hallelujah. The Word itself. Glory be to God. People sit in dead churches. Instead of declaring God's word, we make apologies for every promise. 
Why do we do that? Because there's no promises kept in that congregation. No visible promises. I'm not talking about when you get to heaven. By the way, so many of the promises of God, when you set foot on the golden street, you ain't going to need that anymore. Ain't nobody going to lay hands on the sick. Ain't nobody going to be sick. You're not going to need deliverance when you get there. Ain't going to be no devils, no demons. This old flesh ain't even going there. This, this body's going there, but that old flesh, nature, S-A-R-X, it's not going. Corruptible, going to put on incorruption. Mortal, going to put on immortality. We shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And our mortal bodies and our corruptible bodies shall be refashioned, reconstituted after His glorious body. We don't know yet exactly what we shall be. But when He comes, we're going to know Him because we're going to be just like Him. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So my uncle, a Pentecostal preacher, full of the Holy Spirit that had cast out devils, preached under holy anointings, went up the corporate ladder, got away from the power and presence of God that got him into ministry and got into the praise of men. It's a subtle thing to pull us away. David would have died on the battlefield with Saul's armor. Saul said, if he's going to fight in the name of our God, our nation, give him my armor. Saul was a tall, big guy. And when he took his armor and put it on David, David looked like a comic, comic book figure, a caricature. He, he, the sleeves are too long. The coat of mail is too heavy. He's just clunking around. And he said, I can't fight with this. I can't fight with his armor. And he took off Saul's armor, picked up his sling shot. It wasn't one of those, you know, it was a sling you put a rock in the end. You can put a big rock in that bad boy. Can you say, man? And you sling it over your head and you turn one end loose and it flies. For as I'm concerned, when he turned loose that stone, it was the first guided missile. Can you say, man, long before rocket technology? Because it couldn't miss the mark. Because it was flung in the name of not Saul or Israel or David. It was flung in the name of the Lord God of Israel. And God sent it where it was supposed to go. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, by the way, by the way, just to show you how God works... You'd think the velocity of that stone that killed that giant would have knocked him over backwards, but it didn't. When it hit him, he fell forward. Amen? Come on. God wants you to know the devil is subject to him. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about it. He fell forward like he was prostate, pros, not prostate, but pros, <laughs> prostrate before the Lord. Can you say, man? And you know what he told David before the fight started? I asked for a man 
You send me a boy. But if that's the best you got, you can hear the devil saying, is that all you got? Is that all you got to represent your covenant God and the covenant people of God? Is that the best you can offer? I ask you to send me a man. You send me this puny boy. (laughs) Remember when David went down there? When David went down there, he didn't go down there to kill no giant. He didn't go down there to, to get a glorious name. He didn't go down there to show his faith or his power. He went down with a servant heart. He knew his brothers were in Saul's army. And the Bible said he got bread and he got cheese. And he went down there to take bread and cheese to his brothers. Hallelujah. Wouldn't it be great if these people of faith and power would have that attitude? A servant heart. Amen. So they could truly stay close to God and be used of God and not be lifted up and put on a pedestal and filled with pride and fall himself. Amen. Amen. He didn't go down there to show off. He went down there to take bread and cheese to his brothers. And his elder brother met him when he got there, probably Eliab. And he said to him, I know the naughtiness of your heart. You should be out there keeping sheep, not down here with the men. Because he was the least of the sons of Jesse. But he had a horn of oil poured over his head. To be what? To be a king in Israel. Can you say amen? (laughs) And David looked at his big brother, big bro. And he said, is there not a cause? Because he had heard. Oh, by the way, when people describe the enemy and his forces, they're going... To emphasize that. That's what I was, the point I was making. See, I'm emphasizing God and His power over the enemy. Without discounting the enemy. Is there not a cause? I'll fight this man. I have killed. You've got to get experience somewhere in your life. There's got to be some victory somewhere if you're going to take this on. I've killed a lion that threatened. And I've killed the bear that threatened the sheep. He did it under God's anointing. And he said, and they told him, said, wait a minute, David, before you go any further, have you seen the size of this man? And he said, you know how David responded to how big his enemy was and how bad his enemy was? Because he knew the power of God. So boy knew the power of God. Not the power of military might and armies and armor of men. He knew the power of God. (laughs) And he said, I've slain the lion, I've slain the bear. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of the living God? He said, well, at least if you're fool enough to go out there. And Saul, he's quivering. David's big brother, he wasn't going out there against this man. Amen? So let David go if he's foolhardy. And Saul knew. Because at one point in his life, old king, backward, about to backslide Saul. At one point, he was anointed. 
at one point the power and presence of God. And when he was, they were swift as eagles in battle. Can you say, man? He said, if this boy's got the anointing, and he must have it. He's either the biggest fool that ever lived or God's pat hands on him. One or the other. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. But said, let him take my armor. He took it off and said, I can't use this. And then he told the giant, the giant said, if you send me a boy, I'll kill him anyway. Fine with me. And you know what was at stake? Two champions would fight. Whoever lost to the other, they'd lay down their weapons and become slaves to them without any further bloodshed. That's what was on the line. And I'm going to tell you what's on the line today in the Christian church and Christian lives. You're going to be a slave to the devil or a servant of the Most High God. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? Can you say? I said you're going to be a slave to sin. Or you're going to be set free by Jesus Christ and follow Him. And David said, no, no, today, not only am I going to slay you in this battle, but I'm going to take your head off. And here's something that I thought is a neat little bit of trivia. And David ran toward the giant. Somebody say me an amen so I can quit preaching. Y'all can go eat. We have ran from demons, ran from devils, ran from opposition, ran from persecution. But David, under the anointing of God in the name of the Lord God of Israel, ran toward the giant. And he picked up five smooth stones from a creek bed. He put one of them in the sling. Everybody said, God is more than enough. We are more than, we're conquerors? No, 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 no. If you're going to quote it, quote it right. We're conquerors. No, 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 no. We're not conquerors. We don't just get by and maybe win. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Having done all. Having overcome all because of what Christ has done at Calvary. Hallelujah. Having overcome all. Stand in that victory and declare His Lordship. Can you say amen? Woo! Glory to God. Brother Venable, aren't you afraid the devil tried to take you out talking about him that way? Honey, if he could take me out, I'd have been out a long time ago. I'm going home when God calls me, not when the devil kills me. And when God calls me, I am fully prepared to go. Hallelujah. I'm going to dance on the streets that are golden. The giant fell face down. David walked over. He pulled his sword from his scabbard. He raised it up. One swell fell swoop. He chopped off his head. And all of you that have got this mousy attitude toward defending America or fighting in the military, 
you better be glad somebody went out there. I don't know what kind of spirit you think came on Samson. But he took a jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand men with it in the name of the Lord God of Israel. Amen. God raises up men and women to defend righteously. He that bears the sword does not bear it in vain. Can you say amen? Listen to me carefully. Oh my God in heaven. How we need some victory in God's people, in God's house. How we need to get a look at the backside of the devil for a change. Can you say amen? lady who was a lesbian in Charlotte, North Carolina, wanted to become a Christian, but she was in such conflict because she knew that following Jesus meant that repentance would have to occur. And she said, I can't change who I am, and I can't change my desires. And I was preaching on the radio about this message. This is the message I was preaching. I wasn't preaching in Charlotte, North Carolina, but a little station 50 miles from Charlotte, North Carolina. And on a, on a good day, they say, on a good day when the wind's blowing just right, the radio waves from that station will blow over into, blow, take that signal <laughs> and get it into Charlotte. She said, I was praying about all of these things. She wrote me a letter. And, and to tell you how God works, I want to brag on the Lord too for just a minute. I, I told them, I've had no fruit. I've heard no testimonies. We're, gonna, we're not going to invest any more money there in that town. And they said, okay, fine. We appreciate you. We love you. We like your broadcast. They wrote me two weeks later and said, we've got all your master tapes. That was back in the day of the cassette. Said, can we run them for free? Because nobody has bought the time that you vacated. Well, let me pray about it. Now, there's some things you don't need. i got a commission to go in all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. And if somebody's going to run the gospel for free, I don't pray about that. He said, go. He didn't say pray about it. He said, go. He didn't say think about it. He said, go. What is it about go that you don't understand? Can you say man? Hallelujah. So I was going with the media. And they ran another whole series. And a young lesbian lady sitting at a stoplight got that station on her radio. It said nothing about homosexual lifestyle. It's about David (laughs) killing that giant. (laughs) She said, I pulled over beside the road and I bowed my head and said, in the name of Jesus Christ, this is the giant in my life. And I can't change myself, but Lord, I believe you can change me. And, I, and she said, I received Christ as my Savior, just as I was, without one plea, but that his blood was shed for me, and that he bids me come to. And she said, you know something? He changed me from the inside 
out. Can you say amen? Glory be to God. I'm going to tell you what that did for me. Because, see, I preach to the choir most Sundays. Most people I preach to are saved. Can you say amen? But when I hear somebody bound up like that, hear the gospel and meet Christ for themselves, hallelujah, and get their life changed to that degree, glory to God. I said, I'm going to go. Every door that opens, I'm going to go through it, praise God. Somebody, somewhere is going to hear a message that's going to set them free. Hallelujah. David came to bring bread and cheese to his brothers. And he ended up in a place where God was going to use him. And when that victory occurred, when they saw what God did, and they knew it wasn't David, they knew it had to be God. Two things occurred. In the enemy army, they said... We can fight any flesh and blood army they can put on a battlefield. But what happened? See, something came with that death. The fear of the Lord came upon them. Can you say, the fear of the Lord gripped their hearts. They knew there's something supernatural going on out here. Can you say, man, something we can't handle with our weapons. Amen. If a little shepherd boy can kill the biggest and best in our army, whatever it is that was with him, we can't see it, but we can see what happened when we encounter it. And we do not want to encounter an army of people like that. Can you say, man, hallelujah, hallelujah. And they begin to drop their weapons and go into a full retreat. <laughs> oh, to see that once again in God's house, among God's people, for God's glory. Can you say, man? Oh, and guess what happened next? God's army. That was trembling, filled with trepidation and fear. They saw God moving again. They saw victory again. They saw the supernatural deliverance of God again. They took courage and ran after Him. <laughs> Hallelujah. But it took somebody. It took somebody to stand up. And say, who is this Philistine? Uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of the living God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My uncle went from high potency painkillers to Valium. High dosage of Valium. He found out it wasn't just his back that was hurt. It's his heart, it's his emotions, it's his life. And he got relief. I saw him, Tampa General Hospital, strapped to go from a pulpit, strapped to a bed. I asked the nurse, why is he strapped to the bed? Said he's going through withdrawal. From drug addiction. I walked up and took him by the hand under that strap. And since he had crushed the Valium into saline solution, put it in a needle, 
put it in his arms so many times to get it quickly and to get the rush of the drug, not dissolving in the stomach, but in the vein. His veins in both arms had collapsed. They just collapsed. Those veins near the surface that he was hitting constantly again and again with the needle were collapsed. You can go from a pulpit to that kind of bondage if you play with your salvation and you play church and you play games with God. And if we don't get the shield of faith back, if we don't get it back, and we keep seeing the defeat and the devastation of the enemy's attacks on God's people, and there's no victory. We sit in churches because of the choir or the program. The air conditioning's just right and all the big shots go there. We encounter no presence of God. You've been to churches that have a name that lives. The name represents the power of the fullness of the gospel, the power of Pentecost. But the manifest presence of God is absent and it's gone. And the worst thing about it is God's people are content to do that while the devil robs them blind, defrauds them of everything God has promised and provided through Christ. And we fare no better than the world. If Blue Cross Blue Shield can't fix it, the cross of Christ sure can't. In that faithless, defeated atmosphere that we sit in Sunday after Sunday, satisfied. But we come out of the church in absolute defeat. But we won't go nowhere else. We won't seek the power of God. Some people wouldn't come slumming here unless they were on their last leg. The only reason they would come here is because they heard about a man with cancer that God healed. A man with a stroke that God raised up. That's a man with a polyp that they thought was cancer and went back in to look at it and it was gone. Can you say amen? Come on, we got to have something of substance somewhere that says the God that we serve is faithful. Prayers can be answered. Jesus Christ has not changed. Hallelujah. He's the same yesterday, today, and He will be forever. There's power in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen? Woo! I can't lay it down, brothers and sisters. I can't go back. I can't give in. I can't try to meet the status quo. My faith is too important. I can't listen to somebody just talk about the wrong doctrine out there all week long and have faith to believe for my healing. They're going to have to talk about more than what's wrong. Somebody's going to have to talk about what's right. Amen. I can't just zone in on the arguments over who's right and who's wrong. I have to zone in on Jesus and Him crucified. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. And boy, there's some messed up stuff, and I could preach every Sunday on all the false doctrine. But if I do, you won't get an ounce of faith out of it. And when you get sick and you get down and you need help from above, you're going to have to believe when we pray. Whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing, 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 you shall receive. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So I'm going to mention these things in passing, but I'm not going to dwell on them. You go home and dwell on them. You go home and fill your life with what's wrong. Amen. And get your eyes off Jesus and get your eyes off the person and the promises of Almighty God if you want to. But I got to get my eyes, amen, set on Him. Because whatsoever not of faith, whatsoever is not of faith, I wish you would say it. You'll think I'm too hard. Whatsoever is not of faith, 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 whatsoever is not of faith. Come on, church, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Treat it like a sin. Treat it like a sin that it is. Ooh, I feel the presence of God in here. I'm ready to quit. I was. Hallelujah. 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 That's one of the sins that we need to get out of the church. It's the sin of doubt, it's the sin of unbelief. Lady in Louisville, Kentucky. Church is split. I told you the story. It's not split. It's heartbroken. Moral failure in the preacher. They locked the door. She hurt her back. She's on painkillers. She's not getting any better. They raise the dosage on the painkillers until they can't give her any more. Afraid of her heart failing. Man picks up a poke. A sack. A brown lunch sack with 21 tapes in it in Dallas, Texas, truck driver. He gets fired up and rededicates his life to the Lord on the way home. When he got back home, when he got back home, he was fired up, rededicated to God. When his wife saw it, she said, Lord, look what happened to my husband. What have you been, what happened to you? He said, instead of listening to, you know, the bar songs and the drinking songs, on the way home I listened to the Word of God. Well, faith comes by hearing if you're preaching something that brings faith. If you're, pre- come on, not just anything out of the Word. Amen? Amen. And he, she said, they started listening. She got stirred up. She's still laying on the bed all day long with full of painkillers and she kept slurring her words and can't hardly function. And she said, they, listen, invite her friends from the church that are discouraged over and we'll, we'll sit and listen to these tapes. And they listened and they called me on the phone and said, you've been our preacher. Told me the story. Said, you've been our preacher in Louisville, Kentucky in because our pastor's gone and we've been having church in our house and people have been coming and we've been listening to you preach and you've been our preacher till your tapes run out. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I thought, glory to God. <laughs> just go into all the world. Go. Just go. Just get it out there. God will t- do the rest. She said, 
I rededicated my life to the Lord. My husband rededicated his life to the Lord. People in that room rededicated their life to the Lord. She said, and we got us a pastor. We took the padlock off the door. We opened up the church. And she said, oh, by the way, she said, when we got down to the 21st tape of the 21, she said, the people said, we're going to pray for you. And you're going to get out of that bed. And she said, you know, when you're in such pain and nothing has given you any relief and you haven't been able to function all day long. She said, I'll be honest. I had doubt in my heart, but they had such faith and listening to the word of God. She said, they gathered around my bed, preacher. They laid hands on me in the name of they did it. They did it. In the name of Jesus Christ, she said, I felt the Spirit of the Lord come all over me. And said, when I felt the Spirit of the Lord, my faith jumped up. Can you say amen? I know faith isn't by feeling. But when the Holy Ghost comes on you, your faith's going to rise up. And she said, when my faith got up, I got up. (laughs) Hallelujah. And she said, I'm not taking any pain medication. I haven't been back in the bed since. We're back in church. God sent us a Holy Ghost preacher. Can you say amen? And we're going on for the Lord. That's revival. That's restoration. That's victory in Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know how much defeat... I don't know how much devastation the devil's going to have to wreak wreak upon people until they're done with dead religion. Until they're done with dissecting dead dogma on Sunday. Amen? Where do you think the faith came from in those tapes? Is it because I talked about how terrible the world is and how bad the devil is? No, it's because I talked about Christ and His victory. As we close, I preached at a church, had me scheduled at a church of God. They found out I wasn't church of God, even though the name of our church was the Holy Church of God, but I wasn't part of the organizational church of God. So I went to Carolina to preach because the pastor heard the tapes, and he said, I want him to come preach for me. Well... When they found out that I wasn't of the church of God, it didn't matter that I was from the church of God. Amen. I just didn't fit the bill. And it's no offense against them. They're all that way. Amen. They're all that way. Every one of them are that way. Vance Habner said, I've preached myself out of many pulpits. Can you say amen? So I got in town. Scheduled to preach on Sunday. I was there on Saturday with my wife in a motel, ready to go in rearing. I got a call <laughs> six o'clock in the afternoon. He said, Preacher, I know I invited you. The pastor okayed it because he was an official in the church, but said, The pastor says you can't come. I am truly sorry. And I thought, Well, you know, it's okay. You know, we're near the mountains. I'll just drive up in the mountains while I'm up here. I mean, we're not going to waste the trip. Yeah, I'm going to drive up in the mountains. Oh, I don't get too upset over that. If, if, if that's the way they are, I don't belong in their pulpit. Can you say, man, ain't nothing going to happen in that pulpit. Why don't we waste my breath and time in that pulpit? Amen. I'm serious. I wasn't being mean. I just said, I'm going to go enjoy the mountains. I said, honey, let's go to Cherokee. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. Let's go see the mountains, turn around and go home and say, Lord, we were there. They didn't want us, but we were available. It ain't on me no more. <laughs> and I didn't say, Lord, kill them or anything like that. Can you say amen? I kept the right spirit. It's okay. You don't want me? That's fine. Hey, there's a church. You'd be glad to have you. Pat you on the back on your way to hell. Can you tell you everything is just fine? You know it ain't. Yes, they will. 10 o'clock that night, I got another call. That poor old deacon felt so bad for inviting me in and leaving me standing. I was ready to take my vacation. I said, we're up here. We're going to go on vacation. We were in the car. i got to hurry and close. Oh, Lord, help me. We were in the car, a, a full-size car. We went down to get it, and they didn't have a full-size car. They didn't have what we had, we had already a week before paid for and, and supposed to had, you know. And they come out and said, we ain't got nothing left but a Lincoln Town car. Would you take that? See, that's one of them things you don't have to pray about. <laughs> you don't have to pray about that thing. Get in that Lincoln and go. I said, we got a Lincoln Town car. We're already in Carolina. Let's go up in the mountains. That's where we come from. Enjoy the pretty scenery. And then go home happy in Jesus. Hallelujah. But... I got a call at 10 o'clock at night and said, there's a Pentecostal church here and a pastor said, would you please come and preach for him? We went out way out somewhere. <laughs> Amen, like us. <laughs> Amen, I felt right at home because it was little, it was small, and they were, only difference is they were dead, D-E-A-double-D, dead. When I went to shake hands when we went in, it was like grabbing a catfish that somebody just caught. It was cold and just, it was, I'm serious, I'm not too exaggerating. They were, you've been in a dead church. Oh, it looks good, but it's just dead. And, and, and they, they introduced me and said, he's going to be preaching for three days and three nights for us, beginning tonight on Sunday night. There were magicians up, magicians, musicians up there. <laughs> It wasn't, it wasn't that messed up. But there were musicians up there. And you know what they said? Those guys, I heard them talking. One of them looked over the other and said, you coming back tonight? He said, no, I ain't coming. And so I thought, boy, the crowd's going down now. And so here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Can you say, man, what have I got myself into? But for three nights, I preached on one scripture. I actually taught it and preached it because it's hard for me to do one without the other. I do get excited about Jesus. Can you say, man, 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58. Thanks be unto God, which gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren... Stand in your standing. Be steadfast, unmovable. Hallelujah. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know your labor's not in vain in the Lord. First night, nothing happened. Nobody got saved. Nobody got nothing. Ah, but see, God's word like a hammer. If you just keep on, keeping on, it breaks the rock in pieces after a while. Hallelujah. Second night, nothing happened. Third night, I couldn't wait to get there so I could get it over with and go home. <laughs> Hallelujah. Third night, I went in and I preached the third message on a God-given victory based on that scripture. First thing that happened, the pastor's wife, she'd been sitting there, you know, just kind of tight and tense. 
And she, right at the end of the service, I said, if anybody needs prayer, come up here. And she didn't come up. She just got out in the aisle and started up, and the Spirit of God hit her. I didn't get to touch her. Praise God. Amen. Spirit of God touched her. She began to shout victory all over that church. And then another lady jumped up, and she ran up for prayer. And I knew faith had come up inside. Faith comes by hearing. Amen. It came up inside of her. Hallelujah. And she came up and said, Pastor, I was in a car accident two years ago. It fused my neck together. And they have, they, they've tried surgery. That didn't work. I'm on the highest painkiller. They've graduated me up to the highest painkillers that they can give me without jeopardizing my actual life. And she said, I can't, I can't have a day without it. Amen. And, and, and she said, I believe God will, will touch me. I be, see that victory, victory, somewhere victory has to be proclaimed to God's people. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And she said, she said, so would you pray for me? And I said, it would be my honor to pray for you. And I took that dab of oil and I put it on her head. And I thought of that valley of dry bones. And I thought about God saying to the prophet, can these bones live? And, and then I thought about God saying to, and he said, thou knowest, O God. In other words, whatever you want done is going to happen here. How do, and then, then I thought about, I thought about the fact that God told him to prophesy to the bones. Oh, not just, to, oh, come on. Oh, but tell the bones what my word. Yeah, but these are old dead dry bones. These are inanimate objects. He said, prophesy to those bones. And the man did. And the bones begin to shake. And bone begin to come to his bone. Amen. And then flesh grew on the bones. Hallelujah. And then life came within those bodies. And they stood up a great exceeding army. He said, that's the whole house of Israel. I'll scatter them to the... Four corners of the earth, but I'll put them back in their land and we see it today. Hallelujah. But it all started with a man saying, ain't nothing too hard for God and talking to the bones. Hallelujah. So I went to pray for her. And I said, neck, neck bones. And I wasn't talking about no chicken neither. Can you say? (laughs) Somebody in the back of the church say, neck bones and rice. Hallelujah. There's joy in Jesus, I'm telling you, when you start seeing God move. (laughs) I said, bones in the neck, hear ye the word of the Lord and be healed and be made whole. And I thought she was having one of those Pentecostal, you know, jerks. Because I saw her go like that. And I thought, Lord, this better be you. <laughs> she went like that. And then she went like that. And then she went like that. And she went like that. And when she went around like that, I heard snap, crackle, pop, snap, crackle, pop, and it wasn't Rice Krispies. Can you say man? We had a time. I mean, heaven came down and kissed the earth and we were right in the middle of the smack because when victory comes to people's lives, the whole church rejoices and devils, amen, have to back off in that atmosphere. 
I got my car, come home, pastor's wife come up and said, we need teaching. Oh, we need teaching so bad. We need to hear the word of the Lord. We need to hear it over and over until it gets in us. Amen. Thank you for coming. I thought, Lord, you didn't want me in that big church. You didn't send me to that big, formal, politicized church where you can't move. You sent me to a little church that would receive it. Thank you, Lord. I didn't come here to preach there. I came here to preach here. And I'm glad to be here. (laughs) Hallelujah. Where God can do something. Where would you rather be? You want to be in a big, fine church with a big, fine preacher with big, fine everything? Or you want to be where God shows up and shows out? I want to be where God... Put up a tent where God is and I'll show up. I don't need thick carpet or tile. Give me a sawdust floor and God and I'll be happy, happy, happy. So about a year after that, as the way goes, you go from those mountaintops to the valleys. And I was in one of my valleys because I'm preaching to the choir and the choir is saved, so nobody got saved. No big thing is happening. But I got a letter in the mail while I was in one of my valleys. It says, do you remember the lady you prayed for in Carolina with a fused neck and the highest painkillers anybody could give? said, I just want you to know, preacher, that night, God healed me completely. My neck is no longer fused together. The doctors cannot explain it. I am on absolutely no medication, not even aspirin. And I have absolutely no pain. And you know what? She didn't talk about me and my anointing. She said, I'm so thankful for God and His Word. I'm so thankful for God and His Word. I'm so thankful for God and His Holy Word. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Would you stand to your feet tonight? Brother, would you come? Why would you take so long? Because we need faith more than we need to feed our belly. We need faith to arise. And we need victory more than we need the couch. Not sister couch or brother couch. By the way, I need that other couch myself. When I leave here, I'm not headed for the mall. I'm headed for the couch. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many want to go down this road with me? How many want to see the devil defeated? How many want the victory that God has provided, purposed and promised in Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. 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 How many need the help from God? How many know when you get it, He's going to get the glory for it? So it's a win-win. It's a win for us because we get delivered. It's a win for God because He gets glorified. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just feel like the devil is just gritting his teeth. He would love to do it. He's as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, but he may not. 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 Can you say amen? Handadabaroshala. Kandadabasitia. Kondadabaroshala. Because we are standing in our standing. In all that the blood of Jesus has accomplished in our behalf. Father, there's victory. It's a God-given 
victory, but there's victory in Jesus Christ. How many want to just sell out to God and serve Him with the rest of your life and see His victories and you're willing to commit yourself to that end? Hallelujah. How many sick and tired of being sick and tired? Hallelujah. Touch not mine anointed. That is not just for preachers. That's not just for pastors. That's not just for evangelists. It includes them, but it's not exclusive to them. Every child of God in this room has, has an anointing upon them by the Holy Spirit. You have an unction, a special anointing from the Holy One on you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give Him praise. Let's give Him praise. Hallelujah.